gospel lesson this morning is going to come from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. And I invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of our gospel lesson this morning from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 22. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The first time I ever flew was when I was a freshman at Colin. I was part of, in, uh, at Colin, I was part of a organization some of you may have heard of, most of you probably haven't, called Phi Theta Kappa. Phi Theta Kappa is kind of an, an, honor, an academic honorary society in junior colleges. And so I was real active in that society at Colin. And, and our Colin chapter, believe it or not, was like, one of the best chapters in the entire world. So we regularly won awards at national competitions. And so we always sent a big group of students to wherever the national convention was. My first year was Chicago. My second year was D.C. So the first time I ever flew was to Chicago, and it was fun. And then, like I said, later we went to D.C. When I was a, when I was a sophomore, I mean, I'm sorry, when I was a junior in college, I took a mission trip to Lithuania, flew all the way over across the pond to to that part of Northern Europe. And so I, I'd had a, had a lot of experience flying. You know, I'm not going to say I flew every day. I wasn't a jet setter. It wasn't like I'd flown a thousand times, but I'd flown, you know, a lot of times for a boy from Boca Chitta. So it was, a, it was something I was sort of used to. Um, I didn't like it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to shock you to know that I don't sit still well in those small seats. Unless you are four foot two and 80 pounds, those seats are not designed for any human being that I'm aware of. And so flying is not always the most fun experience, but it wasn't something that I, whatever, it's just something you got to do. Well, when we were in Philadelphia in around 2004, Sarah had just been born, Holly had a friend of hers that was getting married in, in, in Dallas. No, I'm sorry, not Dallas, way at Lubbock, like way out there, you know, a thousand miles past Dallas. And so we're like, we're not driving and she was asked to be a bridesmaid. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're not driving to Lubbock, Texas with a six-month-old. We're just not, we don't, we, we're not that holy. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And so there was something at the Meridian, this, the Meridian Mall had a drawing for airline tickets. So she put her name in the hat, and guess what? She won. We won airline tickets to fly to anywhere, anywhere we wanted to go. So, okay, guess what? We're flying to Lubbock. That's what we're doing. So... Um, you had to fly from Meridian. If you've ever seen the Meridian Airport, it's about the size of this altar rail. And, and um, to get to Dallas or Texas from Meridian, you got to first fly to Atlanta and then fly back that way, which always confused me. But okay, great. We're going to fly. What a blessing. What a gift. Wonderful. Well, I'm driving down the road, just, I, and I start thinking about the flight. And I thought I was having a heart attack. I had this overwhelming sense of fear strike me to the point that my chest started hurting, to the point that I I had to pull over because I legitimately thought I was having a heart attack. This wave 
and rush of fear just swept over me to the point that I could hardly breathe. It hit me so hard. And every time I thought about flying, it hit me. Like just like literally, it felt like a wave rushing over me. I was terrified. And I couldn't explain it. I had flown before. It wasn't like this was some foreign concept to me. I'd flown to the other side of the world, basically. But something triggered inside of me like that, that I could not explain, that I could not articulate. And I just had this overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear with this flight. So much that I went to the doctor and he gave me some pills to take to, you know, if you remember the A-team back in the 80s, they'd always hit Mr. T with the two by four and he'd wake up in the foreign country. Basically, these pills kind of knocked me out and Holly, and then so Holly said, you're never doing that again because she had to carry an infant in one arm and then drag me through customs in the other. So she said, you're never doing that again. And, And by the way, it's never bothered me ever since then. Like going to Israel, no big deal. Like it doesn't scare me anymore. And I I, I don't know what it was. I cannot tell you what it was that triggered this. But in that moment, I just had this sense of overwhelming fear and anxiety in relating to flying on this trip. Fear is a funny thing, isn't it? Fear saps our strength. Fear saps our motivation. Fear makes us behave in ways that we don't like or sometimes even understand. It's a natural human response. You know, we all remember back in school, we studied the fight or flight method. You know, every one of us is going to, when we get afraid or feel attacked, we're either going to fight you or we're going to run from you. It's just something within us as humans. Fear is just a natural human thing. You know, we see it. We see it in the first days of the Bible where, where, uh, where at, at the Lord told Eve that I'm going to put enmity between your offspring and the offspring of the snake. We don't like snakes. We know there's something that just ain't right. We don't like them, most of us at least. Um, fear makes us act in funny ways. I don't like shots. So the, uh, the, 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 the time we had our flu shots here at the church recently, I ran the entire night from from Tim and my wife because they were going to make me get a shot. And so I conveniently had something I had to do the entire time. The shots were, oh, and then we ran out of time. Oh, man, maybe next year. So I'm, I'm a grown man hiding in my office because I don't want to get a shot. Okay? Fear makes you do things that are not rational. And if we're going to be honest, if we're going to admit it, we've all got something in our life that we're afraid of. Something that gives us a sense of great fear. The passage we read in the Gospels today is one of my favorite passages in, this, in all the Bible. It, it comes from the John 20 passage um, after Easter. If you're familiar with the John passage of Easter, it's, it's the passage where Jesus is, uh, where Jesus is, is, is uh, resurrected. And it has that great scene where he's in the garden and Mary does not recognize that it's Jesus. So she, she sees somebody supposedly going to be a gardener and she goes to him and says, what have you done with him? And, and then, they, uh, then he calls her name and she realizes it's Jesus and she cries. And, it's just, and then she says, go tell, go, tell the, said, go tell the disciples and Peter. And so she runs and tells the disciples and Peter. And then, and then it, you know, most of us think that 
John, in, in John's gospel, there's the passage. Like John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, and so there's this great scene in John's. Because the thing is, most people say, well, John's too humble to say that he's John. So instead he says, yeah, he loved me the best, which I don't know how humble that is. But then John has this great scene where it says, the disciple whom Jesus loved outran Peter to the tomb. Then, but he waited for Peter to get there. So for all eternity, we know that John won, won the foot race. I kind of like that as well. That makes me laugh. But they see he's resurrected. Yay. And they go back to the house they were staying in. And the very next day, it says they were in the house they were staying in. And the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. Jews, of course, in John's gospel, don't think Jewish people think religious leaders. The doors were locked for fear. Okay. They're behind the door with each other, praying together. And they're terrified because the one whom they loved had been taken. And they, they, they knew, they had seen evidence, they thought about it, they'd had testimony, they, they'd heard that he was alive. They'd heard that, they'd heard it. But they couldn't really believe it because, I mean, Jesus said, the other story of the temple, I'll rebuild it. They heard him say these things, but until Pentecost and the Spirit came, they couldn't really believe that he had been raised. They couldn't really believe it. All they knew in their hearts was that Jesus was alive and that he was dead. And the same folks, the one to kill Jesus, were after them now. So they retreated to where they felt comfortable. They retreated to where they felt safe. They went back to that house, and it says they locked their doors for fear of the Jews, for fear of the religious leaders. They were afraid, and they locked the doors to keep out the boogeyman, to keep out the bad guys. They locked their door. But here's the thing. They'd opened the door. You know what they would have found on the other side? Resurrection. They would have found life. They would have found the thing that actually could overcome their fear. They, they would have found the thing that would have helped them triumph over the fear that they had. They would have found something that would have put the fear to death. They would have found something that would have triumphed over the fear they felt. They locked their door, and on the other side of the locked door was life. On the other side of the locked door was freedom. On the other side of the locked door was hope. On the other side of the locked door was resurrection. They tried to lock out what they feared, and they actually locked out life. They tried to lock out what they feared, but they actually succeeded in locking out life. Now, because Jesus is awesome, he overcame that. He came through the locked door and appeared, appeared with them. Let them touch his side and all that. Fear is funny, y'all. Fear does funny things to us. We know Jesus is calling us to stuff. But you look out there, 
And it's scary. You know, maybe, maybe what he's calling you to might make you do something you don't want to do. I mean, it's good to be king of your life, y'all. It's good to live like we want to live and do what we want to do. One of the quotes I've been chewing on a lot recently is by Tim, Tim Keller. Keller said, if we're going to be honest, we would rather have Jesus as an advisor than as a king. Because I see, I look through the door, and, and, and I see the, and I see Frank, before I say Frank, um, I see the possibility, and I see the things he's calling me to. I, I see the possibility, and I see the things he's calling our church to. I see the possibility, and I, I see the things he's calling you to. Life, resurrection, power, grace. I, I see all these things here. I, I, I see them. I, I, it's, it's almost like, it's almost, I feel like Moses sometimes climbing, climbing the mountain, looking over the promised land and seeing what's on the other side of Jordan. I, I see it, y'all. I see it so clearly. I see what our church can do. I see that we are an inter, imperfect church full of imperfect people that do stupid things all the time. But I see that we love people. We love each other. And we want everybody that comes to this church house to feel welcome and to feel loved and feel worthy and to feel like they can meet Jesus here. And there aren't many places in the world like that. And a place that wants to punch you in the face, I think we want to love you. And our world needs that. But for us to be that's going to require us, going to require us looking through that door. And seeing the life on the other side. And walking through it. That's hard. So, it's easier. To just lock our doors out of fear. It's easier to just lock the doors out of fear. Oh, gosh, we got so many youth coming to youth ministry right now. You Nicolette's running out of space. I know she needs teachers, but I just can't do it. I just, I just can't do it. Or I've already done my time. I, I, just, I just can't do it. I don't want to do it. I know she needs me. I know I can do it. I just don't want to. I'm afraid. If... The people who aren't giving anything to our church were to give $10 a week. That would create an initial $200,000 in our budget. Imagine what we could do with that. Imagine the staff we could hire to impact our community. Imagine the giving we could do to our local ministries. Imagine the creative things we could do in worship and in service. If everybody gave $10 a week more, Imagine what we can do. But I really like Starbucks, y'all. It's awesome. <laughs> that pumpkin spice latte with about five extra shots, man, it'll make, you see, it'll make you smell colors. I don't really want to. I like the way my life is now. I'm afraid. I know the typical mission trip costs $1,500. 
to go on our mission trip here at St. Matthew's, it costs 500. But I've never been. I'm afraid. I, I, I know when I come to church, I feel the blessing of God and I feel the power of God. But to come consistently, to make it an, 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 a, a thing of my life that's a tent pole that I don't move, I don't know. I don't want to do that. We talk ourselves out of being faithful so often. We give in to the fear. Maybe, it's, maybe we don't even know what we're afraid of. We just know we like where we are right now. But do we really? Don't we know that there's more on the other side? Don't we know that there really is life on the other side of the locked door? Don't we know in our heart of hearts, in our soul of souls, that there's something better beyond the locked door, and we're just afraid to open up the door and walk through it, y'all? I'm telling you, this, this sermon series, I was struggling between two concepts. One was locked doors, which sounds much nicer. The other was entitled, let's, let's punch fear in the face. One of my favorite quotes is by the great theologian, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson said one time, everybody's got a plan to punch him in the face. I'm tired of us being afraid. I'm tired of us as, as a church being afraid to take that next step. I'm tired of us as a church worrying about the future and things we have no control of. I'm tired of us as a church being afraid to fully jump in and fully commit. I'm tired of that, y'all, because I have seen to the other side. I know what lies ahead of us. I know what we can do. I know what God has in store for us. I know what this place is and what this place can become. And for us to get there, for us to get there, we've all got to stop being afraid. We've got to start living in faith. and We've got to open up the doors of our heart, the doors of our life, the doors of our service, the doors of our giving, the doors of who we are to that which lies ahead. I know what God wants to do here, and I know that he needs each of us to do it here. There is no unimportant person. I don't care if you've been here for 100 years. I don't care if today's your first Sunday. You matter here. You belong here. You're valued here. God has a place for you here. He needs you. This church needs you. And frankly, you need the resurrection that lies on the other side of the locked door. They retreated to the place of comfort and locked their door for fear. On the altar rail this morning, Y'all know I love a, a keepsake. There's keys. Every key is different. Every key looks different, just like every one of you is different. If you're ready, if you're willing, nah, no, I'm not going to say that. If you are willing to think about opening up your locked door, if you don't want to open up your locked door, if you just want to mark time to kick off, I still want you to take one of these. So I want you to hold on to this key. I was telling, I was telling a, a, a retired pastor the other day, Brother Bill Poole, who works with us now, about this week we're doing, this month we're going to do locked doors and keys and how it, take the key to unlock your door. 
You know, that there's a door of fear in your life right now. There's a door of fear that's keeping you from being faithful. There's a door of fear in your life that's keeping you from being faithful. I want you to take a key and I want you to unlock that door. I want you to walk through, even though you're afraid, to the other side and to live in the life. And I was telling Brother Bill about all these things. And Brother Bill took out of his pocket. He was my preacher when I was a child. One year, this, about this time of year at Johnson Chapel, we did a, a campaign called You Have the Key. Same deal. You know what he pulled out of his pocket? The key that he gave us when, when I was 10 years old. He still, carry, he still carries it in his pocket to this day. They retreated to behind the doors and locked them for fear. We can't keep doing that. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever foes may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice so clear. And every time I need him, he, he's always near. He lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Resurrection awaits on the other side. Your door may be locked for fear, but there's something greater on the other side. So today, friends, Throughout this month, will you unlock the door of fear in your life? Will you walk through? Will you be faithful? Will you overcome the fear that stands there? And will you know that the salvation and the resurrection of Jesus Christ stands on the other side? Today, will you unlock the door, even if you're afraid, even if you're scared, even if you don't want to, even if you're unsure? We at least crack the door and look out. At least go to the peephole and look out and see what you see. Because I guarantee you, you're going to find Jesus there waiting on you. Saying, come on, follow me. Come on, there's life awaits. Come on, we got work to do. Come on, there's resurrection out here. Come on, y'all. Beckoning us to unlock the door of fear in our life. Today. He's calling to us from the other side of our locked doors. What will we do? Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love and for your mercy and for your salvation, God. Help us to live unafraid, even in a scary time, even in a scary moment, even with fear always close to our hearts, God. Help us to live, God, with, with joy and confidence and love. God, help us to live a life that's unafraid no matter what. God, we love you. Cast away the fear that lies close at hand. Let us live in your power today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.